Tonight, an Exploring Hate special report on the conflict in the Middle East. New Yorkers caught in the crosshairs shared their struggle to find safe passage back home. The mother of an 18-year-old who narrowly escaped the bombing with her life, but made it out of Israel and is now traveling halfway around the world to reunite with her family joins us. Plus, the former WPIX 11 New York reporter for whom Mayor Eric Adams has made a public plea for her safe return shares her ordeal. As she shelters in place in Israel, just a 20-minute drive to the airport, a drive she is terrified to make. That, as Metrofocus starts right now. This is Metro Focus with Raphael P. Ramon, Jack Ford, and Jenna Flanagan. Metro Focus is made possible by Sylvia A. and Simon B. Poita Programming Endowment to Fight Antisemitism, the Peter G. Peterson and Joan Gans Cooney Fund, Philemon M. D'Agostino Foundation, Barbara Hope Zuckerberg, and by Jody and John Arnhold, Bernard and Denise Schwartz. Dr. Robert C. and Tina Sohn Foundation, the Ambrose Monell Foundation, Estate of Roland Carlin, Charlotte and David Ackert, Tiger Barron Foundation, Nancy and Morris W. Offit, Josh Weston. Good evening and welcome to Metro Focus. I'm Jack Ford. It's now almost six days after Hamas terrorists launched their brutal and horrific assault on Israel, killing over 1,200 people, including at least 22 Americans. For many in our region, particularly for those with loved ones living in or visiting Israel at the time of the attacks, it has been an excruciating week. Countless families are still working to secure a safe return and now they have some help. New York representatives Grace Meng and Nicole Maliotakis are leading a call in Congress asking the State Department to help bring Americans stuck in Israel back home through the possible use of charter flights and military aircraft. Many of those who are making their way back on the few flights available have harrowing stories to tell. And as the war enters a new phase and Israel launches retaliatory attacks, Palestinian relatives of those living in Gaza fear for their loved one's safety as well. The events in Israel and Gaza are being felt deeply here at home. And with me tonight for this Exploring Hate conversation is Hillary Kramer-Coyne, a New York mother whose teen daughter Shia was in Tel Aviv and hid with classmates and captured this footage as a bomb exploded around them. As we record this, Shia is making a very long journey back home to her family in New York. Also with us tonight to give us some context around what is happening in Israel, and what comes next in this conflict, is David Makovsky. David is the director of the Karet Project on Arab-Israeli Relations at the Washington Institute for, the Near, for Near East Policy. He has been a journalist and analysis for many decades. So welcome to both of you. Thank you for joining us here so, uh, David, I will start with you, if I can, please, to get a sense of context. We know that there have been a series yes. of conflicts between Hamas and Israel in the past. Tell us about this one and why it's different. Well, thank you for having me. Um, this is fundamentally different from anything we've seen before. Uh, there have been some you know, terror attacks in the past. But you haven't seen the sense of, you know, 1,500 people, you know, pushing through from 
Gaza and to neighboring uh, Israeli communities, uh, mostly by ground, but also a, a, a few from air and sea. And to use President Biden's word, you know, slaughtering over a thousand citizens. Uh, this is something that the atrocities of rapes and beheadings and is something that is just never happened before. And the scope of, of the killings have just is beyond the pale. It's, it's the worst killing of uh, Jews since the Holocaust that we've seen and all in a one day period. Uh, and it's just traumatized Israel and it has led many to believe you, you need to distinguish between empathy you want for the Palestinian people, but uh, really total revulsion of Hamas that could perpetrate such atrocities. Uh, it's, it's Israel's 9-11 moment. What do you think Hamas is trying to accomplish here? Because you, 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 I imagine you don't believe that they're looking for an all-out pitched military battle against the forces, the Israeli forces. So what do you think the purpose of this has been? Look, we, we don't know for sure. I mean, look, their mantra has been, you know, to get rid of Israel uh, militarily. So in and of itself, it's not a, you know, uh, a reversion I should say a diversion from any norm that uh, they've held. They've they believe every settler, whether it's a baby or not, is is a, is a potential soldier and therefore a legitimate target. But what we wonder, and we can't prove this, and I'm always want to be humble. And when we say it's speculation, we have to say that uh, is that it seems that uh, whether Iran is 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 behind this or not. They see uh, an effort by the White House uh, to create a, a, a broad mega deal, if you will, uh, a U.S.-Saudi uh, uh, defense treaty accompanied by Saudi-Israeli normalizations. Saudi Arabia has always been kind of the the, the holy grail in terms of uh, as a leader of the Arab world, a leader of the Muslim world. And while they've not fought Israel on the battlefield, they have kind of, kind of, by dint of their wealth and their influence, they have kind of led the charge against Israel over 75 years. Now for to take the Abraham Accords to the next level, Israel has a peace agreement with UAE and Bahrain and Morocco, but to do it with Saudi is the ultimate. And I think for Hamas, they see that as something that must be avoided at all costs that that that's the tipping point for them against them so if saudi normalizes with israel you know the keepers of the of the great mosques of mecca and medina then the the gig is up uh, the jig is up so to speak and so i wonder is do they want to do such an atrocity to kind of force an israeli retaliation and hope that the visuals are on television screens all over the Middle East, especially in Saudi Arabia, in order to avert what for them might be a game changer. Right. Now, right. again, I always I always want to be humble. You know, right. can't prove this. Right. This we, is we, such, we, this history is has proven major, to us that we don't know. Right. The ma this is the major story of the Middle right. East right now is right. the United States working on this right. mega deal breakthrough. Yeah. And so we'll have to see with Iran, 
without Iran, I think Hamas would reach the same conclusion that this is a tipping point for them. So they need to do something so uh, beyond the pale that would force Israel's hand in a way and that and those visuals would somehow block this, constrain the Saudis from this diplomatic breakthrough. All right. So, Hillary, to you, we have all witnessed this crisis from a distance. You have experienced it per- personally. I mentioned in the introduction that fortunately your daughter is on her way home. So let me ask you, first question is, is when do you expect to get her back home? Shia is arriving uh, this evening uh, via Tbilisi, Republic of Georgia, via Paris into JFK. And it was really miraculous. And I I commend so many friends and contacts for helping Shia get out because as we know, as of this time, US citizens are not being evacuated from Israel. We have just learned that the United Kingdom, Denmark, uh, we know that some of the Asian countries have had evacuations, but it is really a very, very challenging time. And the Ben-Gurion airport, I can tell you from Shia having sent me photos of what is going on there. The lines are five hours to get through security, another five hours to move through. Originally, it was a deserted airport except for those that were called back coming in. But now there's so much concern about Hezbollah in the north coming in, even the West Bank possibly um, doing something similar to what Hamas did last Saturday morning. And so there's this mass exodus and fear uh, that's permeating Israel right now and the Israelis. Let let me ask you this. Where were you and how did you first learn about this attack? And then the the follow-up to that is, where were you and how did you then first come into contact with Shia to find out how she was doing? Okay. I received an email from the program, which is a government-backed Israeli program. Uh, It's called MASA that runs a number of programs for youth to come to Israel. And I received an email that there were some sirens that went off and everyone should have a happy Simchas Torah and that these sirens will just create more camaraderie uh, amongst those students. However, the situation escalated extremely quickly and Israel obviously is on such high alert and there's been so many military called back and reservists. It means that offices have been emptied out and obviously there's there's a pecking order. Israel has to protect Israel right now. Israel has to get control of the situation. So students that are from America that can just keep going into a stairwell every time there's a siren, I actually understand. I understand what happened. It's so out of the control of everyone there. So it was three o'clock, about three o'clock in the morning on Saturday, I get the email, then Shia calls me and says, this is the most frightening, time of my entire life everyone is crying we were woken up in the middle of the night 
we we went down to what's a bomb shelter, but again, really a stairwell because there's an official there's no official bomb shelter in this Tel Aviv building. Uh, we have a number of Israelis that were that were visiting. It's in the center of, of Tel Aviv. She said there are some Israelis. Some of her friends were still at nightclubs, and they brought back Israelis that had no communication and wanted to find what units they needed to join, and were waiting for information. So it was complete havoc. But there was a group. There was a group of 35 in this building. And so on an immediate level, they all had each other and were afraid together. Right. But slowly, those that had family outside of Tel Aviv in what was considered more safe places in Israel, Jerusalem at this point is considered much safer than Tel Aviv and, and the towns in the south, of course, um, they started to trickle out. And then parents with connections with congressmen and senators and and they're also students from all over the world they're from asia they're from latin america canada were able to figure out ways to get their children out and i was depending on the program mm-hmm. uh masa program that committed to getting all of the students that were remaining to barcelona on tuesday morning and that was canceled just a few hours beforehand and I just had to scurry to find a way to get Shia out because she was just one of a handful left in an empty building without, uh, with just total fear. And every time she would turn around, she was running back into the bomb shelter. Yeah. And, and I got to say, I've seen some video of her and, and certainly I, I, she said in one, this has been terrifying, but she seemed extraordinarily brave handling this. Yeah, she yes, yes. Shai is brave. We're a family of service, very much so. Uh, my husband, Shai's father, uh, died two years ago from his 9-11 illnesses. He spent 5,000 hours at Ground Zero, including wow. the first day. He was in the first precinct, so that was where he stayed after everyone else went back to their precincts. And he worked what we call the pile, and uh, she helped take care of my husband, her father, as he died in uh, the summer of 2021 from COPD and esophageal cancer. So she's very brave and she grew up around precincts and she grew up around the police and she's she's been raised to be heroic, try to keep well, everyone calm. But yep, at this and point- I, And I'm sure, I'm sure you, you're proud of her. I'm sure her dad, your husband would have been proud of her, but most important, you're getting her back home here. Uh, which is essential. Uh, David, I got about a a minute and a half left here. Uh, And the question that is everyone is asking is what next? What's going to happen next? Do you anticipate a full on on the ground onslaught by the Israeli Defense Forces? I think Israel until now has tried to fight this from the air in previous rounds. Uh, This time Israel once to just totally eliminate Hamas's capabilities and, and essentially eliminate Hamas itself. What, what Israeli military planners need to weigh is to what extent do you go on on the ground, do you trigger a second front uh, uh, you know, from Hezbollah in the north? And I think this is a very real possibility. Um, and this is something that, and also in the meantime, as Israelis try to plan the next move wants to give space to the United States for, you know, to try to see what hostages it could extract. It's also unprecedented, I should have added, you've got 150 hostages essentially 
that the ones right. that were not killed, burned alive, beheaded, right. whatever, raped, they were brought into Gaza. And about, I think the State Department this morning said the number is like 25, is it, uh, Americans in that group. So the president uh, spoke yesterday about how he has, he's he's working the phones. Right. Uh, right. And, and we'll see. But I, I think, uh, you know, there are countries like Qatar and Egypt that have relations with Hamas, but I'm right. not sure that'll make the difference because for Hamas, they as think as these said, are not just is, yeah, shields and also cards to try to extract right. its prisoners. Right. So I, I don't know. I just think the key thing for all of us is to make the distinction between the Palestinians that we, we should care about and right. at the same time, Hamas, that's beyond the pale. Next, we want to bring you the story of Rebecca Solomon, a former New York City reporter. Mayor Eric Adams has pleaded for her safe return. Rebecca found herself trapped in Israel with her eight-month-old baby daughter and her husband. Her story comes to us courtesy of our friends at PIX11, who spoke with Solomon shortly after the attacks. Well, the war in Israel hits home for so many New Yorkers, and that includes our PIX11 family. Our former colleague, Rebecca Solomon, is in Israel right now with her family, including her baby girl, Mia. Yeah, she's working right now to come home, but in the meantime, sharing her experience with us, joining us live right now. Rebecca, uh, nice to see you. Thank you so much for talking to us. Of course. My pleasure. pleasure. Well, so let me ask you, how are you and your family doing right now, and do you feel safe? Yeah, I mean, listen, we're doing as good as we can do. This is an absolutely horrific experience, and we're just trying to take it minute by minute. We, are we safe? I mean, you know, we, in the central part of the country, our biggest threat right now is what's happening up in the sky, which are mm -hmm. rockets. Mm -hmm. um, but we do have a bomb shelter, as do all the entire country. You know, there are bomb shelters everywhere, and that's been our safe haven. Mm -hmm. Rebecca, kind of walk us through your family's experience on the day of the initial attack. Sure. So um, it was the morning. It was Saturday morning and we were sleeping and we woke up to the sounds of sirens. And it was my first time ever hearing anything like this. I've never been in Israel. I've been here for years um, since I started dating my now husband, but never experienced sirens before. And um, we immediately went into the bomb shelter, which is across the hall from where we were sleeping. It mm -hmm. also happens to be where my baby sleeps. And you go in there for a few minutes, you come out, and then the next siren goes off and you go back in the bomb shelter, wait it out, come out. And that happened all throughout Saturday off and on. Oh. Um, there's been breaks here and there, but um, when you're on a break and there are no bombs coming down at you, you're glued to the TV and what we're seeing down near Gaza, which is about an hour from where I am, I I can't, it's just, it's gut-wrenching. I can't even imagine. Let me ask you something. What kind of instructions, if any, are people being given or, or were you given any? No, you know, there aren't. So in terms of restrictions in place, it's not like you have to stay at home. I choose to stay at my in-laws apartment because sure. I feel safest here for me and my baby. Um, I know my husband at times has gone out, you know, um, quick errands here and there. There are certain restrictions in terms of like, I think no more than 50 people at, in one place can congregate because if God forbid they do need to seek mm -hmm. shelter, there needs to be enough people who have to fit into the actual um, safety haven. But 
other than that, um, that's pretty much how it happens in the country. But this is a lively country and it is pretty much just like it's every it is so quiet. Everyone's in mourning. So no, no one wants to go out. It's not like, you know, people people want to be close to home with their loved ones by the bomb shelter. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned where you're located about an hour from Gaza. The biggest threat yeah. is air attacks for you guys. So I imagine if you're out and about, you don't have much time to react. So where, what sorts of information are you being given as far as it's safe to go out? Right. So and I actually talked to my family about this. Um, I'm learning a lot on this yeah. trip. You know, just when you think you know so much about something, you I'm just amazed at what I'm finding out. So basically, say you're not in your apartment where you can just go to your bomb shelter, either in your home or in the stairwell or some buildings have it in the basement. If you're out and you're driving and the sirens go off in your town where you are, um, you're supposed to get out of your car. Don't go under your car, but you're supposed to find, you know, a flat area on the road or off the side of the road right. and you're laid down and you put your head over your uh, your hands over your head. That's what I'm told you're supposed to do. So, like, for me, the next time I anticipate getting in a car will be on my way to the airport. And mm -hmm. honestly, I'm scared. I'm scared for that. Um, there have been bombs that have gone off near that area, which is near Tel Aviv, which is about 20 minutes where, towards where my finger's pointing this mm -hmm. way. That's Tel Aviv in that area. Um, so I hope I just, you know, I want to get to I want to get home. I want to get back to New York. Yeah, my heart dropped when I when I heard that you were there. Uh, Rebecca, let me ask you a question. Uh, at this point, what, what do you know about being able to get out when you can get out? Do you have information on that? I need to be honest. I mean, this is a nightmare. Like I getting out is not easy. Um, there's a couple reasons why I've been told from so many people contact the embassy. OK, well, yeah, you contact the embassy. And I did. And I got a response back from them saying, um, by the way, the light you see in the background, there's actually a storm happening as well. Oh, gosh. So that's lightning. Right. Uh, OK, um, if sirens do go off, which could happen because it's been happening all day, I'll just um, We'll have to end this and yeah, I'll have absolutely. to seek shelter. Sure. But um, so the embassy sends an email back saying they rec just try to get on a flight out into another city and from there connect to New York. Well, yeah, that's a no brainer. You know, I can do that. But the problem is one way tickets home are so expensive right now. And there are hundreds of people stranded mm -hmm. here in Israel that want to get home that don't have mm -hmm. the money to pay what they're asking for, like a one way ticket back. It's like it could be $2,000. Oh and so, and there aren't, there's not that much availability. And we are relieved to report that Rebecca and her family have boarded a flight out of the region. And finally tonight, the impact being felt in New Jersey. Governor Phil Murphy confirming this week that New Jersey residents are indeed among those killed and missing in Israel. NJ Spotlight News senior correspondent Brenda Flanagan has that story. As Israel massed its soldiers along the Gaza border before an apparent ground invasion, New Jersey families with relatives on both sides of this brutal war worried about loved ones and braced for the worst. At a Hoboken vigil, Governor Murphy memorialized the dead, more than 2,000 total, including Paramus-born Ite Glisko. It has touched New Jersey. Uh, there is reported one loss of life. We know that there is at least one missing 
uh, Aiden Alexander, Bergen County. I've got no update on his whereabouts, a member of the IDF. Idan Alexander served with the Israeli Defense Forces near the Gaza border. He graduated from Tanafly High School three years ago, and his school noted, we know that many in our community are suffering. Our thoughts are with all of our families and their loved ones. News coverage of the Hamas terror attack has uncovered horrific images. One Israeli soldier commented, You see the babies, the mother, the fathers in the bedrooms, in the protection rooms, and how the terrorists kill them. It's not a war. It's not a battlefield. It's a massacre. I started to see all of the pictures and all of the videos. Um, they're horrible. Wyckoff resident Nancy Dubin's son, Ari, is serving in the IDF. She hadn't heard from him since Sunday and feared for his life. Finally, late last night, a recording arrived from Israel, and she listened with joy to her son's voice. Please let my mom know I'm alive and that I'm like, I have 10 toes and 10 fingers and everything's okay. Now, I know that I'm one of the lucky people. I can't imagine what other people are going through right now. Families trying to get back home to New Jersey still can't get plane tickets, and they've reached out to officials. The governor said they're working to help them find a way home and provide humanitarian aid. Putting aside the horror, the brutality of Hamas, which must be brought to justice and eliminated. Let's not forget that we have not just one of the largest Jewish and Israel-American communities of any American state, but we have the largest Palestinian state. Israel's established what it calls a total siege of Gaza. It's blocking shipments of food, water, power and medicine. It's impossible to even leave the area. Israel reportedly bombed the only open exit point to Egypt and continues its bombardment of targets inside Gaza in ongoing retaliation for the Hamas attack. Among New Jersey's Palestinian population, several families have gotten reports of loved ones killed. Dua Abu Fari's family is in Gaza. So far, they've escaped harm, but... Many children and women are being killed around them, so it's getting worse and worse every day. They've been bombing more than before. There's nowhere to hide. Um, they're saying the, sorry, sorry. It's okay. Rania Mustafa couldn't stop her tears, but her friends in Gaza urged her to report conditions there. They're saying there's, it's literally just dropping missiles everywhere and there is nowhere to hide. We're against any lives being killed, but it's very clear that an Israeli life means more than a Palestinian life. Mustafa says Hamas are Palestinians. She points to protests like the one at Senator Cory Booker's office, which often elicit backlash from others. We really need to, I think, stop putting a bandage on this issue and really get to the root cause of it, which is there has been an occupation for 75 years. But political analyst Yale Aronoff says Hamas opposes any Israeli state. She says this Iran-backed attack foils peace talks. One motivation uh, may have been to obstruct um, the uh, progress that potentially could have been made on normalizing relations between Saudi Arabia and Israel. And it's really, really tragic um, because they don't want an independent Palestinian state on part of the land. They want an independent Palestinian state on all of the land. She expects the violence will escalate. I'm Brenda Flanagan, NJ Spotlight News.